0: All right. Well, this morning, I get the privilege of introducing our speaker. Um, This semester, we're going to look at the book of Jonah, which is really exciting. And throughout the semester, we'll get to hear from different leaders and hear their life stories, uh, just like we did last year. Um, So that's exciting. So today we get to hear from Brandon Brewer. He is our global outreach pastor. And he and his family actually spent a few years overseas, halfway across the world, uh, living on mission. So today we get to hear his life story, and we get the privilege next week of hearing him introduce and set up the book of Jonah for us. So y'all give it up for Brandon. Good morning. Hello. Good morning, good morning. I'm going to use this guy. Okay, so. Thank you. Plural. Okay, so how many of you have seen the show Mandalorian? Ooh, okay. Odds might be a little in your favor. What does the Mandalorian call this creature? I heard it right here. Okay, uh, you three, because you're grouped as a table, get three little handout books for my beautiful wife, Sarah, back here. (laughs) All right. Okay, and then what is the number one restaurant that teenagers eat at in America? Who said Chick-fil-A? All right, so your table, you also (laughs) groups of three, this is great. Your table also gets books. It was Starbucks, it was just recently overpassed by Chick-fil-A, and the article I read was saying that they think it's because Starbucks lines lines are getting slower and slower uh, because of online ordering, so interesting fact for you. Great, got books, okay, cool. Uh, More to come, I think, if we get there. So how many of you have been to the Expo Center in Belton? Okay, how many of you have seen the Expo Center in Belton? Are you aware of its presence? Okay. When I was in college, I worked for campus activities at UMHB, which anything that happens on campus, concerts, uh, Easter pageant, Miss Mary Hardin Baylor, anything like that, campus activities, puts together, sets up, tears down, all of that. And my job on this one specific day was to go to the Expo Center and get a fog machine. Not that complicated. So I'd never been to the Expo Center before. This is before smartphones were around. So I asked for some advice on how to get there. I eventually made it. I go up to the front, and there's a line of about 30, uh, it was a while back, but I'm, I'm really thinking it was about 30 or 50 people just waiting outside the doors. And I had no idea what was going on. I still needed to get inside, so I go up to the door, you go to open it and it's locked, hence all the people waiting, but it's locked and I turn to ask what's going on to the lady at the front of the line. And before I can get out my question, she says, you're Johnny. And I froze, I didn't <laughs> know what to say, I was kinda shocked. At the time I had just a big beard um, and a t-shirt and jeans on And again, before I knew it, there were about 10 or 15 people that came and ran up to me, handing me posters with Sharpies. And as I'm looking at this poster, I realize, oh, one of these band members looks just like Brandon Brewer. How interesting. (laughs) And you better believe it, I signed every one of those posters. (laughs) So then, I really did. I signed all, hey, thank you, thank you, see you soon. (laughs) Walk around the side. And as I'm walking, there's an 18-wheeler there unloading band equipment and I'm kind of waiting as these guys are running back and forth and I cross and the guy goes what are you doing come here and I was like a 20 year old I was like oh sure okay and I walked onto the truck I carried a speaker all the way to the stage set it there in the expo center on the stage and the guy thought I was a stage hand and again I still don't have the fog machine and so I'm walking out and I go to the office and the guy says Mike you're finally here just sign right here and you can take it So I signed for my boss, Mike McCarthy, took the fog machine, and I left. And in about 15 minutes, I was four different people. Uh, It was pretty amazing. But I was thinking about what we're talking about today. And I was thinking, who am I? And that story came to mind. And oftentimes, that's not as easy of an answer as maybe sometimes we would like it to be. So if you go to the Expo Center, beware. You never know who you're going to be. but my name is Brandon Brewer, as Megan graciously introduced me. I'm from Arlington, Texas, right up the road on 35. Um, I grew up in a... oh think of? There I am. Um, I grew up, yeah, in Arlington, Texas. I was uh, raised in a Christian home, wonderful parents who are still together, still love the Lord. Um, I was raised in church, and... Really, I was privileged, I was educated, and I was a really, really good kid. And I don't just say that, I mean, I can remember on my hand how many times I lied to my parents before junior high, I think, and it, like, scarred me. And uh, I can still see one kid's face who got in a lot of trouble because I lied. I did something that he got accused of. But uh, I was a really good kid up until um, high school, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, But as you look at these pictures, (laughs) I look a lot like my son, Wallace, but uh, I was a really good kid. I was a good, moral kid, and in fact, growing up in church, I knew all the right answers, and I was very studious in that way. And this is my family, my sister at the bottom right here, uh, who's currently in Indonesia, the missionary there, and then my parents many moons ago. Um, That's at Six Flags, a long time ago. But just like this picture I took overseas, things are not always as they seem. Um, In case you didn't know, this is not a fierce bear, hence the joke. Okay, tough crowd, that's all right, fair enough. Okay, so if you have your Bible, will you turn to me, turn with me to Luke chapter 6, Actually, if somebody has that, if they could just stand up and read it very loudly for us, that'd be really helpful. Thank you, Sam. Chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. Thanks, Sam. And Eliza, in the back, It's my youngest. So like I told you, we uh, I grew up a great moral kid, and... Um, I couldn't think of a better way to say it, but I was spiritually aware. I knew who God was. I had read the Bible. I was familiar with this passage. Um, I knew who God was. And I think, I don't know that I cared. Um, Now, I do remember in elementary school, um, I went to a, a private school. And my teacher led us through the truth of the gospel. And I really believe, I, I knew at a young age, I needed Jesus. I could see my brokenness. Um, all five of those lies. <laughs> Just kidding. But in my heart, I could see the brokenness. And I knew that I needed Jesus. And from then, though, I don't really believe. It was very similar to verse 46. I'll read for us again. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? and not do what I tell you. I knew where to go. I knew the right answers. But really, once I got to high school, I started my, the symptoms of my heart really started coming out. And so this isn't a moralistic tale where it's like, oh, I did bad things. Praise God, now I do good things. That's not the story of a believer The story was my heart was wretched and broken. And now it's redeemed and transformed. And I remember very vividly, actually in a setting very much like this, I taught at our youth group. And I don't remember what it was about, but I taught. And a mom of one of my friends came up to me afterwards and she said, Brandon, your faith is so strong. You've been so faithful to the Lord. Can you please encourage my son? And as soon as she said that, um, I remember two days prior, where I was at a party, and I was watching my friends do X. I was watching all sorts of things going on at my one of my good friends' home. And I remember the atmosphere and the culture that I was in and very much a part of. And I remember like a dagger almost, and this mom, that I knew very well, was saying, you're so faithful. And this verse came to mind. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I was really, really convicted um, initially. I still decided not to do much about it, which we'll get to. what I want you to hear also is many of you here many of you here may not actually believe that Jesus is the only hope and satisfaction you may not actually believe what's being taught what you're reading but you know how to act like it and I just want to tell you it will fail you fail you. Um, And much like Jonah, which we'll talk about some next week, his good theology doesn't mean you have a a good heart. There's good theology with a bad heart. And I feel like growing up, as broken as I was, that was me. Um, I was in Austin uh, years ago, I guess, and I was at a mosque, and I was talking to the imam, whose name was Islam, and I told him, I said, well, what do you understand about Christianity? Which is a great question, by the way, for any, anybody in the world. What do you understand as Christianity? And just to hear what perspective they're coming from. And for about 20 minutes, he perfectly explained to me the story of creation to Christ, Christ to the revelation. He talked about the atonement. Had a wonderful explanation for propitiation, for sanctification. And he... I'm not kidding, said it better. I mean, I wish I'd remembered some of the stuff he said because he said it so well. Um, But his heart was rooted in Islam. And just because you know the right answer or you know how to act, doesn't mean you have a good heart. And for me, I had good theology but a bad heart. And let me tell you, there's no foundation or hope without our hearts fully surrendering to Jesus as king. Um, I firmly believe that. So I was broken. Russell Moore has a great quote. Um, He says, I'd rather be fed than fathered. I'd rather be right than rescued. I'd rather be magnified than crucified. Um, And that was me. Uh, I'd rather be fed than fathered, right than rescued, and I'd rather be magnified more than crucified. Um, my good theology wasn't good enough <laughs> to fix my bad heart. Um, this may hit home for some of you, so I'll just read what I wrote here. Uh, my heart was so tempted and consumed with consumption, which is providing for myself, with security, which is protecting myself, and with status, which was exalting myself. Consumption, security, and status ruled and governed my life and I knew how to cover it up I knew how to act like I was supposed to and be accepted and uh, crazy enough even a leader like in our youth group and growing up and I love movies and I really thought of Batman Uh, there's this wonderful Okay, hopefully you like Batman but there's an awesome scene where Bruce Wayne is at a hotel with some girls who swim in like a uh, a fountain pond, are you with me? does everybody remember this? Batman Begins, maybe. Um, and he walks into the hotel, and he sees his good friend, I just went blank on her name, uh, Rachel. And Rachel says, this isn't you. And it's this weird moment for the audience where they say, oh, he's, he's trying to kind of have both worlds and just play the part on both ends, and he doesn't know who he is. Um, and that was very much me um, in high school, exactly where you're sitting. And I knew how to put on the right face and knew how to basically pretend like I understood what was being said and that I believed it, and then I turned and encouraged the person next to me. I knew what it was supposed to look like, but very much in my heart, uh, I didn't know who I was. And um, another word for you is cultural Christianity is oftentimes how this is referred to, where it's you maybe you label as a believer or a Christian, you don't actually believe it. Um, so sometimes that's the apathetic guy walking on the street, sometimes that's one of us sitting in this room, and you're just part of a social club, basically. So cultural Christianity. It's self-governance that believes in God. Okay? Not if you're with me. Um, this is what led to my heart for Islam, what eventually led our family to move to the Middle East, Um, my studies of Islam, my friends that are Muslim, is this idea that there are people that are in our circles that if you were to write their belief system, maybe the details look different, but structurally, cultural Christianity is so similar to Islam. It's this self-governing body person that knows about God. But deep down in their heart, they think they can do enough to make it, to please God, um, to find satisfaction. Um, so I caution you, you are not enough to save yourself. Our hearts are wretched, broken. There is no hope outside of Jesus So, again, if you have your Bible still open, we'll read Luke 6 again, so you don't have to turn here with me. And I'm going to turn to Ephesians 2. It's one of my favorite passages. Ephesians 2, verse 1 says And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Does anybody know what dead in Greek means? Dead. Dead. That's what it means. Think about this. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Our hearts are helpless without the hope and the grace and the love of Jesus. And for me, that brokenness was revealed, and I remember sitting in my car late high school just bawling. Um, My girlfriend that I was not being righteous and holy with had just broken up with me. Uh, My basketball dreams, I loved basketball. I found a lot of identity in my skills as a basketball player. That fell from me. Um, I had three friends pass away within three weeks from overdose, um, drinking and driving. Um, And I remember sitting in my car, very much like Luke 6 talks about. I I see this house, basically the house that I'm building. Through my friend's life, through my community, I saw these houses kind of crumble before me. And this is all retrospective, mind you. I remember sitting in my car thinking, "This will not last." I've built my hope, who I am, who I want to be about, on these things that are failing and fading. And I remember just bawling, trying to figure out what that meant. Um, in Ephesians 2, this is what this means. You were dead in the trespasses and sins. I can't read this enough. And when you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. In Luke 6, go back to this. Samuel did great. I'm going to read it one more time, though. Verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. And I'll tell you that night in my car, maybe this has happened to you, but you can see it, and my house was shaking. Like it, was, it was down. And I remember feeling that weight that I was not enough. I'd realized everything I'd built for myself or around me was not enough. And thankfully, we have verse 49. But the one who hears and does not do them Oops, I did that backwards, sorry. I think we have 48, but 49. Uh, But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Um, Hearers and doers. The Spirit opened my eyes, really, to who God is, and because of that, who I was. can't get enough Bible here. I'm going to read Psalm 1 to you. This is where my hope quickly shifted toward, which is a fun story, but I'll read this. Uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I was at a uh, church camp in Glen Rose, Texas. Riverbend? Anybody been to Riverbend? All right. Well, maybe next year. Um, I was at Riverbend Camp, and there was a guy speaking named Chase Bowers. I was 18 years old, I think. And it took me a while to get over his accent, his southern draw. That was too cool for school for any of that. But then the Lord quickly broke me down. And he talked about widows, orphans, and the unreached he talked about the responsibility of the church, the community of God, and the intention that God had in redeeming his people. And I remember my heart just flipping upside down, basically. And everything I had learned and said and encouraged other people with, although it was true, my bad heart didn't believe it, quickly became part of me, and I went up to him afterwards, and I said, man, we got to meet more. He's like, sorry, man, I live in Belton. I said, oh, great, I'll be going to school there in a couple months, and he was like, okay, well, maybe I'll see you. (laughs) He'd been to a few camps before, Uh, but sure enough, all through college, I met with Chase every week, and he was gracious in discipling me, being patient with me, and really raised me up, and I think starting from then, from this church camp, my surrender to Jesus as king was not just me. There was very much this communal identity to this is what God does with God's people. And through Chase, through my wonderful wife Sarah, through our teammates in the Middle East, the Rogers, and the Youngs, through this church, um, my surrender and salvation is not just for Brandon Brewer. Um, there's this community, communal idea. Um, and let me just tell you, if you're in sin, if your heart is wretched, if your hope is not in Christ, if your foundation is not in what Christ has done for his people, repent. Repent. Everybody take a deep breath with me. Repent from your sin and turn to Jesus, the living hope. There is no other way for joy and satisfaction, for hope, and for life. Can't say it enough. I hope that's a good reminder for you. It is for me. Um, So we, oh, sorry, I'm forgetting pictures here. Sorry. Uh, There's Psalm 1, Rooted in Christ. So we got married in 2011, a month after we graduated from UMHB. I was a communication major, and Sarah is a studio art major. Um, And very quickly, we got into mobilization. So very much like Chase, he's talking about this at this camp, and everything made sense to me. And from that point, I just continued to tell people, hey, do you know what God's doing in the world? Are you aware of who God is? Did you know this? Because I thought I knew this, but I didn't know this. Let me tell you about this. And we started doing mobilization and sending college grads overseas um, through GoCore, who Abby works for now. Um, And through that, we really, really wanted to work with Muslims. And uh, we were pretty active in the mosque here and around the region, I guess, and we had some good Muslim friends. And for many people, including me growing up in the church, Missions was the guy with the mustache and a machete in overalls that talked on Sunday night about his crazy jungle stories. And I'm not kidding, that's what was in my head. And hopefully, for many of you, you hear, uh, we just did what was next. We knew we wanted to go to the Muslim world, and we knew we didn't want to go with just Sarah and I. And so we did what was next. Elizabeth Elliot, you might write that name down. You can look her up later. Elizabeth Elliot said, if you don't know what to do next, do the next thing. Do what's in front of you. So you don't know what to do next. Great. Do you have any unbelieving friends? Things like that. Start doing the next thing, the next thing. Begin praying for what's to come and so we moved to the middle east uh 2015 with our best friends from college we worked there um in oman and united arab emirates we lived right on the border of the emirates in oman and then we lived an hour south of dubai uh for several years and <clears throat> the lord did some great work hopefully we would talk a little bit more about that next week um but to encourage you, I think, is thinking about my brokenness, and God really redeemed me into purpose when he brought me to himself. And currently, I think speak for all of us, um, just living in peace. There is nothing that can knock down this house that we've built our foundation on. Um, and that a wonderful, wonderful testimony to God's faithfulness. Uh, So we had Miriam, who's back there, but on my shoulders here um, in Dubai, or in Al Ain, which is an hour south. Uh, Our desert life was fun. We miss it. I'd love to talk about the desert if you want to talk about it. Um, And Muslims and Islam in general fascinate me. Um, And then we moved back to Texas. So just this past year, we were here to have Eliza, our fourth, and the elders came and asked us if we would consider sticking around to be the global outreach pastor, and it was a very difficult decision. But I think because of what the Lord had done in my brokenness and our surrender um, among our community, uh, we were able to say, yeah, we'll consider it. Like, we're not; Our identity is not where we are, it's who we are. Which sounds like it should be, but that's true. It's not where we are, but who we are, and we really feel excited to be here. Um, it's an interesting cultural change for our whole family. Our kids were fascinated by drive-through windows when we first came. Maybe still, and taking off shoes everywhere we go. So we're here, um, and I, I'll tell you as I wrap up. Uh, just my brokenness is purposed, and now we're just at a peace. And we are governed by God and who he is and who he says he is and governed by the word. Um, And the beautiful part of Ephesians 2, we stopped in verse 4. Verse 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved, by grace we have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus how many of you know TBC core values alright what's the first one What's the second one? What's the last one? This is the, this is the story of God's people. This isn't a catchphrase or a slide we like to put in front of people um, just so we sound relevant or trendy. Friends, this is the story of God's people. We're surrendered as a community, on mission. It says right there in chapter 2, he made us alive together with Christ. And so there's several things I'd love for you to take away from today. I hope it's an encouragement for you. But there is no hope outside of Jesus. And if you don't know it, you are broken. And your heart is consumed and governed by you you don't know, and submit and surrender to Jesus. He is king, which I can't wait to talk about next week. I'm trying not to get there. Um, But he is king, and he's the only source of our hope. So I want you to close your eyes with me and just picture something. Um, You're in an arena. I love sports, so we'll go with that. You're in an arena, and you're looking around. Everyone's celebrating. You've seen this on TV or you have experienced it. Everyone's celebrating, there's some high fives, there's drinks spilling. Everyone's turning to the person they don't know and hugging them. Uh, There's just a huge celebration, something is happening. And now look to the court or the field or whatever sport of your choice, and you realize there's nobody playing. There's not a game going on, there's no teams, there's no players. This is an arena full of people Just patting each other on the back. Okay, open your eyes. (laughs) It may sound strange, but friends, if your religion is not based on the source of Jesus and what he has done for you, eventually everyone in that crowd is going to look around and, what are we doing? This is kind of stupid not even celebrating anymore we're just doing what we're supposed to be doing in the moment there is no hope there is no joy outside of the source and the foundation of Christ and what he's done for us um, and we are, in di- we are designed with intention so before we read first, pe- first Peter 2 and then we'll pray I have one more question Who won the Super Bowl in 2011? Wrong. 2011? It was in Roman numerals, I don't know. Nope. 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 Uh, Who said Packers? All right! Front table gets books. So the world will tell you, the world will tell you there is great hope The world will tell you what your heart should be attached to, what your time should be attached to, what your money should be attached to, what your desires and pursuits should be attached to. And less than 10 years ago, we don't even remember the pinnacle of the sports world. This is fading so fast. There is no foundation outside of Jesus. We don't even know who won the suit. I I don't know who won. I was the Patriots last year, right? Okay. And I know it was the Mavs in 2011 for NBA. So all of this stuff is so fading. And if we listen to culture, if we listen to our hearts, we will be deceived. And friends, I don't want you to be deceived. There is a purpose and an intent in who we are. So in closing, I'm going to read this, and then we'll pray, and then you can discuss at your tables. 1 Peter chapter 2, he's talking about the church. He said, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. But why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. Into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The world's message to you, just like it was to me in my brokenness, is that you're enough. Find yourself. Isolation and independence is healthy for you. We have been made alive together with Christ for a reason, and his intention is to use his people. To spread his glory across his world. And through surrender, community, and mission, that is truly my story. It's the church's story. Is it your story? Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we're grateful that you have revealed yourself to us. It's uh, humbling and overwhelming that we can know who you are, that you shown us and continued to shown us and finally have shown us through your Son. Jesus, we praise you for what you've done for us. May our hope and our foundation and our house be built on the foundation of what you've done for us, but with the purpose of being seen and being known. So, Lord, use this body. Use us just open our hearts to see our brokenness um, and to see our purpose and to have the peace that only you can give. In Jesus' name, amen.